Welcome to the Shock Your Potential podcast with your host, Michael Sherlock. We all have potential, but sometimes we need inspiration to get us to our peak performance. Whether you are starting out in your career, ready to move up the corporate ladder, or taking the leap into entrepreneurship, Michael's guests provide powerful tools and resources to shock your potential. Shock Your Potential is a global professional development training company committed to your unique journey. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com and download our free Shock Your Potential app today. Listen in to today's expert. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. I am, of course, your host, Michael Sherlock. It seems to never change. I'm always going to be the host. You're stuck with me if you're listening again. And uh, all month long for July, we are talking with leadership powerhouses. And we're talking about you know, how to really, truly be an evolving and growing leader. Whether or not you're running your own business or you're managing hundreds of people, it doesn't matter. We all have to be great leaders in order to continue to evolve. And my guest today has a background that will prove not only his leadership skills and expertise, but his ability as an entrepreneur to grow and scale, not just his current company, but others prior to this. And uh, I think you're going to be really amazed by his background. So Brian Clayton is CEO and co-founder of GreenPal, which is an online marketplace that connects homeowners with local lawn care professionals. It's uh, actually been called Uber for Lawn Care by Entrepreneur Magazine, and they have over 100,000 active users, completing thousands of transactions every day. But before starting GreenPal, you know, Brian founded another little company called Peachtree Inc., which was one of the largest landscaping companies in the state of Tennessee. He grew it to over 10 million a year in annual revenue. And then you know, decided maybe it was time to let that uh, go and be acquired by another company because it was acquired by Lusa Holdings in 2013. And his interests and expertise are related to all things that I know you guys are interested in, and that's why you tune in, that are related to entrepreneurism, small business growth, marketing, and bootstrapping businesses from zero revenue to profitability and potentially to exit as well. So Brian, thank you so much for joining me today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Great intro. (laughs) Thank you. I love, you know, reading people's bios is always so much fun because it's like this little window, you know, into somebody's snapshot of all their career. And, you know, so you get the little tidbits, but then I love to say, tell me more though. That just hits the highlight, Brian. I'm pumped up. I got, I got to bring it now. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So tell me a little bit about you, your businesses, you know, how, what you're doing at GreenPal helps people to shock their potential um, because it's a great, great resource, but you know, and we'll dive into leadership along the way as you know, what you've learned throughout all these experiences you've had. So take it away. I'll just interrupt and ask questions here and there. So 20 years of business uh, in one industry, the, the lawn care and landscaping uh, vertical. I actually, so I'm CEO, co-founder of GreenPow, is the Uber for lawn mowing. Been, we're an eight-year overnight success. I've uh, been at this company for eight years, several hundred thousand people using the app to get their grass cut, doing around $20 million a year in revenue. And we started uh, when I sold my last company in 2013, and, and we've just been going ever since, uh, my two co-founders and I. Before GreenPow, actually, like you said, I had a landscaping company. 
company that I grew from just me and a push mower to me and 150 employees uh, and got it over $10 million a year in revenue over a 15 year period of time and uh, was able to get the business acquired, which doesn't doesn't happen very often in the landscaping industry. And so uh, growing that first business, just me and a me and a mower to me and like 80, 90 trucks going out every day. I, I learned a lot just through trial and error the hard way about how to grow and scale a business, leadership, uh, how to become a, a good leader, how to how to get people rallied around what the what the objective is and, and get people to want to come to work every day, and especially in a very labor intensive business like a landscaping company. Oh, Learned yeah. all I did it wrong every way you could do it wrong before I did it right. <laughs> Took many years, many years to learn how to do it. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I, and then I applied everything I learned the first 15 years of business into the second company, uh, which which is like a, a tech company. And so I kind of had to reinvent myself from a blue collar entrepreneur to a tech entrepreneur. So the, talk about shock your potential. That was yeah. that was a moment for me and my co-founders where we kind of had to learn the hard way about how to how to be in the tech game. And so oh, I guess yeah. 20 years of business. One thing I've learned is that business can cause you as the founder, the owner to be a better leader. It will require you to be a good leader. It will require you to learn how to, how to lead teams and how to, and how to understand that this thing is not all about you. It's not all about what you want. It's what everybody needs and wants. And so if not, you're not going to really be effective. And that's one thing that I have learned, you know, two decades in growing companies is that you're constantly going to be evolving, constantly going to be growing every, every three or four or five years. And if that's the case, then you're doing it right. Right. Yeah. And it should be a little painful, you know, unfortunately. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's so true. Um, and one of the reasons that I wanted to have the requirement of my guests this month to all have at least managed at least 50 people is that in my experience, you know, managing five people is one thing, 10 people, 25 people, 50 people, 100, 155, you know, um, the more you go up, the, the more exponential, uh, the challenges and the mistakes um, and the and the repercussions of the mistakes. And not all of them are, you know, business shattering, but sometimes they can be really soul shattering when you, as a leader, make those mistakes and you haven't, you know, uh, you know, some of them, you know, can really test your, I guess, sense of, can I keep going on this? Am I really meant for this? And I love your story because, you know, when you talk about, you know, you and your push mower and then building this, you know, and then you've got a couple people and then you got a couple trucks and then you got, a, you know, hundreds of trucks going out all, all every day at every level of that, you have to trust yourself and you have to forgive yourself when you do make those mistakes. Absolutely. And the, one of the growing periods I went through in my first company, cause I didn't know how to do any of this stuff. I did it wrong for I was a terrible leader, terrible boss, terrible person to work for. And I had to kind of evolve and grow. And somebody told me, it was probably, uh, I probably had 30 or 40 employees at the time. They told me, and, and, and I, and the business had kind of gotten out of whack. I mean, it was just organized chaos every day. Everybody was pissed off all the time. I was pissed off. Like I would drive to the office, to the shop that I had. And like, I would have this, like this knot in my stomach. It would hurt. Like I didn't want to go there. And, uh, I, and I, so I was like, what the hell happened? And, and so somebody gave me a good piece of advice and they said, you know, you as the owner, you as the founder, you as the leader, you get exactly the culture and, and vibe and company that you deserve. Oh, uh, yeah. and, so, and so it's a complete reflection of you. And whether you want to admit it or not, it is because A, you created it, B, you hired probably everybody that, that's there and they're mirroring what your vibe is. 
Yeah. Uh, and so that was like a tough pill to swallow, but it was one that I had to learn the hard way. I was like, holy crap, he's right. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do I do? And I, and I thought, well, I'm just going to do, I'm just going to try to make this fun again. I don't know how, but I'm going to try to make it fun again. And so one, so I stumbled upon a couple different things. And, and one thing that we started doing was we started a little program where we would give out like an interest-free loan to everybody, anyone in the company that would propose like something that they wanted to do in their personal life. Um, and I was trying to align the company's success with what my people wanted in their lives. And, I, and mm-hmm. another person gave me good advice. is like, if you can help people get what they want, then everything else will take care of itself. And so, so I started this little program where we would give out an interest-free loan. And at first it only started with a thousand dollars and it grew to $2,000 and 10 and $20,000 as the company grew. And we had a lot of, uh, we had a lot of immigrants, uh, like from Central America, so Mexico, Guatemala, Honduras that worked for the, for the company. And as we got to over a hundred people, this program like ballooned to where that was the why behind we did what behind what the whole company did was like, okay, Hey, um, this month, you know, we've loaned $10,000 to, 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 to Javier. And, and, uh, he, he actually started a new store back home in Guatemala where a lot of these people were from and like a little, a little store that sold like, you know, clothes and, and just goods and stuff like that. And then another guy, uh, another guy wanted to put his daughter through college, the first person uh, in his mm-hmm. family to ever go to college. And, and so we loaned them like uh, five grand and this is all interest free. And, 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 and every one of those loans got paid back. But as time went on, like it got to be where, okay, this is why we do what we do. When the company is successful and profitable, we have the, the revenue to reinvest in this program and, and let's check in and see how, how these things, these initiatives are doing. And like it galvanized like the whole group, the whole team into one like solidary force to where then things like quality and, and timeliness and like, mm-hmm. and just not having to go back and do things twice, like took care of themselves. And oh. so uh, this, this whole thing took like five years from idea to really get, getting it rolling. But uh, that was one of the reasons why the business was able to, to be sold was because we had such a good culture. We had such low turnover. We mm-hmm. had people working for us, you know, for 10 and 15 years. And uh, when you have that type of like sticky culture and it's, and it's, fun, it's fun to go to work there, it takes care of a lot of the other problems that were really mm-hmm. causing the misery that, that, that I experienced, you know, five years prior. That was the giving you the pit of your stomach, you know, right. not that made you not want to go in there. Right. And, um, and, and that's because every customer's upset, you know, people yeah. like work, work is, is piling up. The people are calling out, uh, machinery is getting uh, torn up because people aren't caring for it. Everything was a disaster. And really it was like, okay, I can like hack at the, the leaves of this problem or I can hack at the root. And the root was, it just wasn't a fun place to work. There was no why there. We were just cutting grass. It was miserable. So it took a long time, but I was able to kind of fix the problem at the root cause. Right. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. Um, and what a creative way to, to go about it. And, and I talk a lot about, you know, a mirror looking in, you know, the mirror as a leader, as a, you know, as an employee. And I would say, you know, if you don't have a mirror, you have a hand, you can pretend it's a you know, mirror <laughs> yeah, you yeah. Know? and just look at it and go, okay, I don't know what's going on. But I'm, you know, what a great, you know, point to recognize within yourself. Look, I created this, whatever it is, it's because I created it. Now, if I want to change it, I have to change it. Now, if I'm going to change it, what am I going to do with it? You know, not just, okay, how am I going to change, but what could we really achieve? And I think there's a lot of people that 
um, don't think that big, you know, I mean, as you were thinking about that, I'm thinking about my, you know, team, I have a whole team that's um, based up Kenya and, you know, we've been really working on, you know, getting them to a higher level of, you know, really thinking professionalism and, you know, and higher level, uh, strategic, you know, employee skills, and they're doing great. And I keep thinking, how do we keep making it better and better? And, you know, and things like coming up with this based on, you know, the needs of your employees and making them, um, feel more recognized. And like you said, achieve the things that they want in their personal life will definitely align them more closely to your business because you've helped them do it. You are part of their overall success. That's that. I love that story. I think, uh, I think when, you know, the leader tries to like fix culture or put culture in, they just like, Oh, well, we need some values and (laughs) we're about integrity, honesty, quality, uh, professionalism, that's our culture. And yeah, yeah, sure, that's great. But it's got to be actionable. It's got to yeah. be practical. It's got to be real. People have to see it. People have to see other people embody it. And so it's like whatever. And you don't need like 10 values. You, you really just like, and really they're not values. They're virtues. They're like, they're things that you do. And mm-hmm. like, you just need like three and just actually do them and and they can just they can be the thing but it's got to be tangible actionable visible if not it's just like buzzwords written on a whiteboard yeah absolutely in fact it's funny i was just uh, interviewing someone right before you he said you know whenever a company calls me and says uh hey we'd like to hire you to do a team building uh, activity he's like so my first question is so what's the problem right now? And, you know, because nobody just out of the blue says, hey, let's have a team building activity just because, you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like you have exactly. team building when you have a problem. <laughs> let's get real. Okay, what is the problem? Well, uh, the problem is, is uh, all of our customers are canceling us. Okay, exactly. <laughs> let's, let's figure out what's going on here. <laughs> exactly. I love it. So, you know, when you, um, so talk a little bit about the challenges of then moving from, you know, that kind of business within, you know, landscaping and organizing all those people and selling it to moving to a tech-based company, which, I mean, you're still working on a similar, you know, idea. You're helping people get their lawns taken care of. I, I love, I think we have a lot of things now that are, are, you know, this kind of Uber mentality of how we, we align people, but, you know, how was it to make that shift from something where you are physically responsible for the people directly and then uh, creating the tech behind this and then trying to ensure that you have a workforce that's connecting to the needs of your clients all over. That's got to have a whole lot of new challenges. It was a big, big gap between the two that I didn't understand. And luckily I was naive, didn't know what I didn't know because that kind of seduced me into it. I never would have done it. Um, and so like for us, I spent 15 years building this landscaping company to one of the largest in the state that I, in Tennessee where I live. And, and it was really tough. And I sold, sold the business and I kind of retired after that. I didn't have to work anymore. And so I, I'm going to do what I want to do on the next business. And I thought, okay, that was really tough. I don't want to do that. Um, so I want to do something easy. I'm going to do a software-based company. So that's what really, I believed that. And uh, man, uh, I was really wrong. <laughs> I, was like, I did not know what I didn't know. And so I recruited two co-founders who also like were just as relentless and, and uh, hardworking as, as I try to be. And, and uh, I could tell that they wanted something more out of life and, and they kind of had a chip on their shoulder to build something. And, uh, and so we just went to work and 
as we started kind of peeling the layers away in terms of like the complexity of how to play in the tech business, how to build software. And, and it's not just building software. It's, it's also inventing something from scratch that does not yet exist. And right. that's something that we, that I didn't really understand or realize. It's like, you know, so running a big landscaping company, at least there's a known set of processes and a known uh, map that you can execute against. You can just kind of do it a little better and really out hustle your competition, but it's kind of known. You're not, you're not inventing something new. Whereas with GreenPal, like this is a new set of behaviors, a new product experience. It's, it does not yet exist. And I, you have to invent that. And so like, that was really difficult uh, kind of forging your way through the unknown just and the only way to do it is just to try on error and going from failure to failure without a loss of enthusiasm mm -hmm. and that took a long time it, it took like three years for us to build what we believed green pal should be while teaching ourselves software development and teaching ourselves how to market and distribute software and it was only one that we just we just would not give up uh, we, we would put in the hours, you know, a lot of people talk about work-life balance and, you, you know, and, and for me, it's like, yeah, okay, you, you, maybe you only want to work 40 hours a week or 50 or 60, whatever. But the reality is there's also another 30 or 40 hours that you're going to have to spend on learning yeah. the things you need to learn to level up. And so the first five years were, were 80 hour weeks, six and seven mm -hmm. days a week, but then we got it going and, and we started to see evidence of, of, okay, this is working now. We can bring on uh, specialists and people that are better at these roles than we are and build out a team. Now we have mm -hmm. a team of 25 people and most of them are smarter than me. And that's a, that's a really fun thing is really fun yeah. to build a business where you walk in and, and uh, a lot of the people, most of the people are just flat out smarter than you. And that's really kind of as the founder, the leader, that's, that's what you want. Absolutely. And, and so that's what uh, like building a tech business has afforded me is, is the kind of environment to be able to experience that. And, uh, I'm, you know, eight, eight years in, I'm glad that, that we didn't give up. And I'm glad that I did get started. I'm glad that I was naive uh, because it's, it's all been worth it. Oh, and I love that. I wrote down going from failure to failure without losing enthusiasm. And that's really, it can be tough. In fact, I do a, what I call Monday motivation message that goes on our, we have an app that's for on-demand training and then um, also goes on our YouTube channel. And I actually taped it last Thursday because I had one of those days where between my two companies I own, like just everything went wrong. It had started out a beautiful day, you know, I've been, you know, the scale was nice to me. The birds were singing, you know, <laughs> everything was lovely. And then it all just went down and I was like, why am I doing this? Yeah. Why am I putting why? myself in this misery? <laughs> <laughs> and after I got done with my pity party, I'm like, you know why you're doing it. So, you know, but buckle up buttercup get it pulled back together. <laughs> yeah. And I think like, uh, you know, I read a book by a guy named Donald Miller and it's called a million miles in a thousand years. And what he talks about in this book is that to live an interesting life, you have to have an interesting story to your life. And it basically just means you have to do interesting things in your life to, to live an interesting life. And I'm reading this book. And I'm like, okay, that makes sense. And, and then I thought, well, really my business is the storyline to my life. And if you think about mm -hmm. yourself in the context of, a, of the hero in the movie, the hero is going through ups and downs and like getting over these, these, these obstacles to get what the hero wants. And, and so like, that's what business is. It lends the interesting storyline to your life. And if there weren't these obstacles, if there weren't these ups and downs, it'd be a pretty boring movie. 
And so it's like, if you think about the, your journey in, in getting your business started and growing it and scaling it in the context of a storyline, of course, there's going to be ups and downs. That's, that's what makes it interesting. That's what makes it fun and exciting and valuable. Yeah, I agree. I could not agree more. Well, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to hear from our sponsor and we will be right back and start diving down deeper. Imagine starting a long journey without a map or even a clear idea of the obstacles ahead. That's exactly what it's like for entrepreneurs who start companies with a lot of passion, but without the financial expertise to grow and scale their businesses and create long-term wealth for their families. Find a financial advisor who can help you map a better journey. Wayne Titus shows you how in his book, The Entrepreneur's Guide to Financial Well-Being. With the right advisor at your side, you'll have the freedom to focus on what really matters to you. Get the Entrepreneur's Guide to Financial Well-Being at Amazon.com and in the virtual bookstore on the Shock Your Potential app. And we're back with Brian Clayton and we're talking not only about his new company, GreenPal, but, uh, or newest company, but we're also talking about leadership and the lessons that we've all learned. And so, you know, the world is changing. And one of the things that we saw, um, you know, in this last year and a half uh, during a pandemic was, you know, a lot of people working remotely. We're going to see people going back to hybrid. We're going to see lots of changes in how people interact. My thought is that it's going to tax us all to be better leaders and to have to, you know, adjust more in different ways than we ever had, you know, before. But, you know, I'm asking each of my guests this month, what are your, you know, kind of your core leadership lessons? You know, if somebody listening right now is going to say, okay, what can I gain from this? How would you help them to become a stronger leader and, you know, and maintain that, that adaptability in their, in whatever, whether they're running their own business or they're working for someone else? One of my favorite books on leadership management is a book called The Hard Thing about hard things. And it's by mm -hmm. a guy named Ben Horowitz, who's a famous venture capitalist. And uh, I mean, it's a great book. I mean, this dude like had to shepherd this business through hell just to, to get out on the other side. And and I think like now the story in that book is repeating itself, what we've been through the last year for many businesses. And one thing he says in that book is if you're going to eat crap, don't nibble. And so it's like, you know, if you're going to go through a crisis and you're going to have to like take your business back down to the studs and reinvent mm -hmm. it, then don't nibble at it. Just just go all in, take it down to the studs because it's really, it's not happening to you. It's happening for you. And, mm -hmm. and really like five years, maybe less from now, you will be glad this happened uh, because it's a, it's a way to kind of restart and, and build the business out the way you should have the first time and mm -hmm. also get, get rid of some dead weight. Um, you know, a lot of times as leaders, we, you know, the easiest mistake that we always make is, is holding on to, to, B, C, D players, and and this is an opportunity to kind of flush that out and 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 get lean, um, and so that that's that's really the way I would reframe the whole thing is it's not happening to you, it's happening for you. You'll be glad this happened five years from now, and if you're going to eat crap, don't nibble. <laughs> <laughs> that's so true, and I and I've told this story many many times on uh, with my guests over the last year year and a half is that um, prior to COVID, 95% of my business income was dependent on me getting on an airplane and going somewhere in the world to train. And I knew that wasn't the best way to do it. But you know, when things are, are flush, you know, you go with it. And right. man, as that calendar emptied out in a matter of days, 
I said, okay, well, you're either going to give up or you're going to reinvent this company. And what are right. you going to do about it? And I am so, even though I was terrified, even though it was very frustrating, um, I am so glad. It, I mean, it's been the best thing for the business because, you know, I mean, for, I don't even know how many reasons, but boy, I, that was exactly where I was. And, and I think that a lot of people have seen, you know, even if they're not running a business, their career, you know, from a similar right. standpoint, you know, I thought I'd have this job forever, or I thought, you know, this was going to be secure or even people who haven't lost their jobs, just that sense of, okay, I know that it's not a given anymore. So what will I do differently today to make sure that I am at least, at least a little bit more bulletproof in the future? Exactly. It will make you stronger. It mm -hmm. will make you better. It will, at least it has for me also, it'll make you wiser and uh, it'll help you just cut the dead weight, cut the fat out, uh, out of your processes and stuff that wasn't adding value to you or your customers, wasn't making anybody any money. It sucks, mm -hmm. you know, change sucks. But, uh, but, you know, like you're saying, you know, like a year or two now, you're two years from now, you'll be glad this happened. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm already glad now. I mean, I'd still, I'd still like to be speaking and training and actually those things are coming back and they're starting to happen. Um, but it's, um, it's now I'm like, well, I just will never put myself in that place again where, you know, there's only one point of failure, you right. have to have multiple points of failure right? <laughs> so that it takes everything in a cascading effect to take you back down to the studs again. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I say that from my lips to God's ears. <laughs> and I don't need to be tested on this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm good right now, God. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I got that. Thanks for the, thanks for the last year, but I'm all set. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know we're going to have all your contact information on our show notes, but before we do that, I want to make sure that you get a chance to tell anybody else how to look you up in case they want to. But I also want to ask you with Green Pal, and I know you've got over 100,000 downloads and users right now. Are you guys in just specific geographic areas? Are you all over the U.S.? Tell a little bit about if people want to make use of your services. Number one, how do they find you? And then how do they find out more about what you might, your company may do for them? Yeah. So anybody listening to this doesn't want to waste time mowing your own yard, or maybe your lawn guy ghosted you, which happens a lot. You can just download Green Pal in the App Store or Play Store. You'll get hooked up with a great lawn mowing service in less than a minute. Nationwide in the United States, we're in every major city in the United States, uh, soon to be Canada. And uh, yeah, just download Green Pal and just get it done. Anybody wants to reach me, you can hit me up on LinkedIn to shoot me a connection there. I've been hanging out there a lot more lately. Yes. Excellent. I love it. Well, before we go, Brian, do you have any last words of wisdom or pearls of advice for my listeners and viewers? I think like, since we're talking about leadership, I think leadership and management get conflated a lot and, uh, and really trying to just constantly hold in your mind what the difference between a good leader and a good manager is. And a lot of times we'll be good on one, one or the other. And uh, a lot of times, you know, if you're a founder of a small business, five, 10, 20 people, you kind of have to be good at both. Yeah. And, and so like a lead, like one of my favorite books is the seven habits of highly effective people. What uh, Dr. Stephen Covey talks about in that book, he says, a good manager will take his team into the forest and, uh, and we're going to, we're going to cut a path through the forest and, and we're going to make sure that our blades are sharp and we're going to make sure that we're efficient. We're going to make sure we have good scheduling and breaks and we're going to cut a path through this force very efficiently. That's what a manager does. A good leader goes and finds a really tall ladder and, and puts it up against one of the tallest trees and climbs to the top and takes a look and surveys everything and he screams out, wrong forest. Uh, and so... <laughs> 
knowing like that little story in your head, like the difference between a good manager, like we're efficiently chopping our way through the wrong forest or a good leader is understands, are we even in the right forest? Are we going in the right direction? And so a lot of times you kind of have to be good at both unless you're running a huge business because you're going to have to do both uh, all mm -hmm. the time. Um, and so just constantly knowing the difference between a good manager and a good leader. I love it. I love it. I'd forgotten that one quote too, but that's, it's excellent. And so it's true. so true. <laughs> And, and I can just see you at one point, you know, now starting that tech company going, wait, am I in the wrong forest? Yes. I've all, I've, I have felt that feeling many times. Oh, I love it, Brian. Thank you. You have been a fabulous guest. It has just been an absolute pleasure having you on today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Shock Your Potential podcast. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com, including details on Michael's two best-selling books. Tell me more, how to ask the right questions and get the most out of your employees and sales mixology. Why the most potent sales and customer experiences follow a recipe for success. Make sure to check out our Shock Your Potential app on-demand professional training resources to help you excel in your career. And as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and like us today.